This is Educated and Empowered. Tanille M. Jackson, your empowerment specialist, your lit coach, as well as your life coach. And today we are coming with a brand new topic today, chauvinism and today's church. And so I just want to kind of give a little bit of background to let you all know what Educated and Empowered is geared to do. So every Monday I'm going to come on and I'm going to talk about a lot of different um, topics, right? So all of those topics all the information that I'll be sharing is going to be in the areas of expertise as my uh, areas of my expertise as a life coach. So whether we're talking about relationships or self-care, work-life balance, and even spiritual matters, those are going to be the, those going to be the type of new content that you're going to have hitting you every single Monday. And I'm totally excited about it. Um, and so there'll also be times where I choose the topics. And then there are times where I will allow my subscribers to choose the topics as well, right? Because I always want to make sure that whatever it is that I'm talking about is something of interest, which is exactly what happened today. That is how we are talking about our title question which is, or our title topic, which is chauvinism and today's church. Most of you know that I am not typically the, whether you want to call me a host or, uh, you know, um, the person that's going to bring it to you. I normally do not do controversial topics. However, this one was intriguing to me because whereas I kind of stray away from controversy, I do embrace dialogue. I love um, for us to be able to discuss different things, right? Because I believe that we, especially as adults, we don't always have to agree. But I do believe that it is possible for us to sit down and reason together. I do believe that it is possible for you to tell me whatever your opinion may be, me to tell you my opinion, and even if they are op opposing views, and even if we don't leave the table feeling the same way, that we should be able to respect one another and we should be able to share our views. And so by the end of that interaction, that you at least are more enlightened and I am more enlightened right and so today so when i was given this topic as a proposed uh question which is discussing chauvinism and today's church i'm like you know what i definitely want to delve into it and so first let's start off by defining what chauvinism is and so chauvinism is excessive or prejudiced support for one's own cause or group in a particular role and specific oh, i'm sorry let me read that again because this is coming from the this is a definition coming from uh i think this was webster that i got it from so chauvinism is excessive or prejudice support for one's own cause or group in particular male prejudice against women right and so um when we're talking about so the question the way that it was posed was does 
not necessarily does chauvinist uh, chauvinism still exist, but the fact that it does. Right. So it was brought to me to say, why is it that women are always taught to be a certain way, you know, in terms of like what we say from the Bible, being chaste and lovers of their own husbands and, you know, those things, which th that's the right way. But then it's always, it's also taught that it's okay for men to be however they want to be, right? So that they, it's not as heavily enforced or emphasized that they should be lovers of one wife, you know, um, that, and, and pretty much keeping them pulled in where we understand that there is a difference between right and wrong for men as well. Like it should not just be that men are taught one thing and women are taught one thing, but specifically in the church and especially in the church, there should be one thing that is right and one thing that is wrong for everybody. Right. And so this topic definitely intrigued me. And so what I want to do is really kind of talk about chauvinism holistically um, and then talk about it in the church as well as out of the church and what that looks like. So, again, today's topic is chauvinism and the church or chauvinism in today's church, because I do believe the, the original question I was going to ask was, is chauvinism still in today's church? Is it still alive in today's church? But the more I was writing out that question, I'm like, I, I don't need to ask the question because it definitively is still alive in today's church. Um, I will give the disclosure that, yes, I am a feminist in my own right. Um, but that said, I am also one who believes in traditional roles. So it's not... When I say that I'm a feminist, what I mean is that I believe that women should have the right to do whatever, whatever job that they would like to do, whatever role they would like to carry. They should have the right to do it and not just be denied because of their sex or gender. Right. So in other words, I don't believe that every woman should be forced to be a wife or be a mother because there are many women who when they are born they know i don't want to be married they know i don't want to be a mother you know i have a good friend who has told me for the last i don't even know how many years like i know that i'm not purposed to be a wife i know i'm not purposed to be a mother like there are a lot of things that i want to do in my life and i feel that women should have that ability to choose it but at the same token i don't feel that it's anything wrong if a woman chooses to be a wife and chooses to be a mother i did both i am still a wife and a mother and that is by choice not by force i also believe that women are not less than just because of their gender or their sex so i believe that women can play sports just like men can i believe that women can preach just like men can i believe that you know pretty much i mean there there are some exceptions but in general i believe that almost any job that a man can do a woman can also do and so if that is what she so chooses that should be her that should be her right and so when it comes to the church there has been controversy controversy since <clears throat> since the beginning of time right 
since the beginning of time um, because when you go back to the bible days and i think that where the controversy stems is the way that things were done in the bible days right because i think you have to understand that in those days women had no rights in those days women were pretty much treated as property they were seen as property in many cases the the um like the mules and the donkeys and all of those things the cows those in many cases were seen to have more value than women women were only used not seen but used to be able to reproduce right so we were more so tokens or tools that were used in and and i'm sure in certain parts of the country you still have like arranged marriages and things like that but in those days it didn't necessarily matter who you wanted to marry it was really more so between you know the families who would decide i'm thinking about like even with like a jacob and, and leah and rachel situation where jacob came and he wasn't he he couldn't even just get Rachel he had to you know he worked seven years to get her only to be told that you know what no you're going to end up with Leah because our custom is that you have to marry the older sister first and so it didn't matter if Leah liked Jacob or not it didn't matter if Rachel found that to be appalling that she had to be married to the same man as her husband again in Bible times things were totally different okay you had women who you know the the nature of the bible and that's why I, I think that today many people still believe in polygamy because in the bible you had it where one man had several wives and concubines right you whether you look at david you look at solomon and these were wise kings these were men that were you know favored by god so it wasn't that they were you know of their own of their own belief and doing their own thing this was just the way that it was so it was okay for you to have wives with an s and concubines and so we understand that the whole point of a concubine was literally just to kind of be the man's fling really you know so he could have wives and girlfriends and that was quite all right okay and so again in those days women had no rights which means that women were not looking to do anything because they understood that they couldn't okay and so and you know what i really should rephrase that because it may not be that they were not looking more so than they just accepted the fact that in those days they had no rights and so there was nothing that was pushing that they were not trying to push against the grain but as time went on and you gotta understand we're talking about bc even ad like women didn't even get the right to vote it was it was what 1970 something before women got the right to vote so for so so this isn't just women being seen as inferior is not just a biblical principle like but this is where it started in terms of our earliest record of how you know because how much earlier does it get than creation <laughs> like before creation there were no such thing as people so we have to start at the beginning so from the beginning of time 
women were always considered to be less than women were always considered to be inferior even apostle paul who was probably one of my favorite uh people of the bible he had there were many verses where he would say that women you know if they're in the church they should just be silent they shouldn't have anything to say although he also worked with a couple women throughout the bible but in general the common denominator the common uh sense of belief was women should be seen and not heard okay and so you have to understand that that travels through time and so like i say we're talking about 1900s 10s 20s go up to the 50s 60s and 70s where women were simply thought it was really more the uh exception than the rule if you had a woman who went to work right like it was understood that a woman's place was in the home so let's start there that the woman had a place that was her place her place was in the home her responsibility was to get pregnant have children raise her children and keep a good house that's it that's all when you talk about the proverbs 31 woman for so many years that has been taught as though that is one woman but if you continue to actually do your research you will note that that could be a a lot of different women right because when it talks about the proverb 31 woman it talks about who can find a virtuous woman if you go to church that is probably one of the most common uh scriptures that's read especially on a women's day for churches uh, regardless of denomination if you attend a church that has like different programs and if ever the women are in charge one of the most common uh phrases or, or scriptures that women will read is that proverbs 10 and uh, uh, 31 and 10 who can find a virtuous woman right but then when it goes and it talks about it it talks about this woman it's kind of being an entrepreneurial woman as well right being able to go to the marketplace yes it does talk about her as being a wife it talks about her as being a mother you know how her her husband sings her praises in the gates her children arise and call her blessed like this is all the same woman okay this is the way we were taught forever but it could also be broken down into there are just different women and when you look at all of the various traits and characteristics these traits and characteristics make a virtuous woman as opposed to one woman having to have all these different characteristics and traits so i'm hoping that i'm not losing anybody i'm hoping that you guys are with me so far and so the point that i'm making is you have to understand that there is nothing new under the sun nothing so the way that women are perceived has always been the way that women have been perceived is not new is not different um and, and so it just continued to go that way right and so like even when you go into slavery times and that's a whole nother show for another day uh because whereas we're talking about women being treated as inferior you have a whole group of people a whole class of people race of people who were treated inferior but here is the most ironic thing 
women were treated even less than black people. So you had like black men and then you had women, right? So obviously black women would then be on the total bottom rung of the ladder. I don't even know that we make it to the ladder. So this is for years, decades, and centuries that women have been treated as though we have no say-so, as though we have no intellectual power, you know, that all we're good for is just to lay down with and have children. Now, again, from a biblical perspective, don't get me wrong, because one of the commandments that God gives to Adam and Eve, he says to be fruitful and multiply. And so the fact that by sheer design, a man is incapable of, of being pregnant only a woman or in today's time you have to classify that so someone who was born as a female or you know however deep that goes like only a woman is able to actually have children so if we're talking about you know in, in obedience to god's command to be fruitful and multiply then technically speaking of the two sexes of, of the man and the woman only the woman can be uh, the person who can fully execute it, right? Like we understand how sex goes. So we know that, yes, it takes a man to be able to drop his seed, but it takes a woman to have to actually go to term to bring forth that seed. So they have to be in it together to make this command happen. So the point that I'm making is that chauvinism or the, the mindset that men are better than women has always existed from the beginning of time simply because of the fact that a man's job was to take care of the woman right so it was always perceived that a woman needed a caretaker so just like so to an extent the woman yes is a caretaker but again in those days regardless of how young she may have been Technically speaking, a woman would leave her parents' home and she would then go to her husband's home, right? So like nowadays you have it where women will leave the home at 18, 19, 21 years old, have their own apartment, might be 10 years before they even get married. So in between time, they're basically taking care of themselves. The way that it was arranged in the Bible was that a woman always be taken care of and it was not seen to be... Uh, uh, offensive it wasn't offensive for a man to take care of you because that was how it was planned by design but to that same point because a man was taking care of you then that meant that you had no voice and you had no power because you were considered to be the inferior sex or gender if you are just now tuning in what we are doing we are talking about chauvinism and today's church like is there still a such thing as chauvinism in today's church my belief is absolutely yes what i've done for the first part of the show is really to just give you a background as to where that chauvinistic attitude uh where it derived right 
it, and it derived from the beginning of time because it's almost like that's the way that it was intended to be. The way meaning that it was purposed for the men to have greater responsibility. It was purposed for um, the man to be the one who was bringing home the bacon, so to speak. It was for, so it was kind of by biblical design what the man was supposed to do. But I think what became problematic was the attitude behind it right so just the man being seen as having to be responsible that's not the problem the problem is when you attack the chauvinistic attitude the problem is when you attack the fact that people believe specifically men believe that because they're the ones that's going to work that makes them better than the woman because the woman can do nothing but quote unquote stay at home then that makes her less than so when you attach the chauvinistic attitude to it that's what makes it degrading i believe and again i have not talked to every woman in the world before i existed but as a woman i believe that where the offense comes from is when we are belittled and degraded because of the fact that we are not going out to work and i believe that that's kind of where you know women want it to be seen as equal because any woman who has ever kept a house and i don't care whether or not you're a mother or not any woman that has ever been a wife and if you have ever been responsible for maintaining a house so i'm not talking about you know the women who get these uh allowances and they don't have to do anything i'm talking about the women who actually take care of a house i'm talking about the women who make sure that the house is clean that's washing clothes that's cooking you know going grocery shopping cooking meals making sure the bills are paid i'm talking about though and i'm talking to those women when you have actual wives then that is a whole job keeping up with everything that your husband is doing making sure that all of his everything is aligned things that he He's going to forget you remember for him places he's supposed to go you make sure that he's there on time looking good looking you know responsible to everybody that looks on that's an entire job and every woman who has ever been a wife understands that so to then be belittled and degraded to make it feel like oh all you're doing is this or that and then let's further add to it add dimension to women who are not just wives but also mothers because every child is a job by themselves and you're talking to i am a married mother of four biological children but i raised seven children the three older ones are now moved out the four younger ones still are you know they still live in the home but when i tell you it is a whole job to maintain a household to make sure that these kids are acting right doing right that you're helping them with their homework you're making sure that they are productive citizens that they're not out in gangs they're not doing drugs they're not terrorizing people you know that within your home you're keeping order that's a whole job 
And I think a lot of times, again, because men very rarely in today's world, maybe it's a little bit different in today's world. You may have more uh, whether you call it a house husband or a stay at home dad, whatever the appropriate term is for it now. Like you have that as more of a normality now than used to be. And so now there are men who kind of understand what that is. But in the days of old, you didn't have that. Men left. They went to work, they came back, and the house was spotless, the kids were taken care of, so they had absolutely no clue the work, the labor that went into doing that, right? And so it's easy to belittle it because men would only think of the physical labor that they may have to do depending on the type of job that they had. And so it would then be easy to try to, you know, put down their wives or other women in the world. And so the point is, that attitude then transcended in the church. See, y'all didn't think that I was going somewhere with y'all thought that I forgot what the point of the conversation was. But no, I didn't forget that we're talking about chauvinism and today's church. But again, you got to kind of travel with this. So you have to understand that it started the perspective, which was not a bad one. So we are not saying that God did not know what he was doing when he told the man to do this and the woman to do that. This is not that show. Um, God knew exactly what he was doing. God did not make a mistake. When he designed male and female, man and woman, he knew what he was doing. When he made it be that a man should do this and a woman should do that, there was no problem with that. What happened? Men, and when I say that now, I mean humankind, humankind stepped in and things changed because people changed. Instead of people staying obedient to God's design, then people started doing what people wanted to do. And so when you deal with, with a person and if you are steadily on the inferior end of the stick, you are not going to want to keep on being on the inferior end of the stick because understand, and I say this all the time to my, to my independent authors, like independent does not mean inferior. Like just because you may not have the mainstream uh, attitude or belief, that does not mean that you are inferior. And so the same thing to be said with women, just because uh, we were not created quote unquote equal does not mean that we are less than does not mean that the value that we have, what we bring to the table is not just as valuable or not just as important. And I think that there were women who number one started to see, Hey, we're a little bit intelligent too. And so we can multitask. All of us are not fulfilled simply by staying in the home all the time. There are other gifts and talents that we have that can be used in the marketplace. There are other things that we can do that can work outside the home, right? And then even within the church, God didn't just call men. And y'all can debate about it all you want to. You already know that the go-to scripture that most women will use is they'll say, well, God called women first because, or God gave women the first message. And that's when, you know, Jesus is coming out of the tomb. And so once he comes out of the tomb, then he tells the women to go and let the disciples know that I'm risen, blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of people will say that women were given the first message. That is not the reason why I say that is not the scriptural support that I have. Uh, but 
that I, well, I say it like this, that's not the scriptural support that I use. What I, one of the things I say, cause there are many things, but one of the things I use, he says he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And last time I checked, women were all flesh. Like there are different gifts. There's a fivefold ministry. You have, you know, prophets, you have pastors, you have evangelists, teachers, and apostles. So you're not going to tell me that when you look at what each thing does, you're not going to tell me that only men can be teachers. And I'm going to give you a biblical reason for that. Because when you look, I want to say it's in Timothy, when the, the uh, instruction, it says women, you ought to teach like the older women are to teach the younger women about how they're to behave themselves, how it is to, you know, keep their husbands and keep their homes. So if I'm being instructed as an older woman to teach the younger women, doesn't that also make me a teacher? So by, by its own definition, women are teachers, but in today's church, many times we kind of overlook that. In today's church, not just women teachers, but a lot of times we don't shine light on the teaching position holistically. The only thing that's really given so much, you know, uh, limelight to is you look at like these quote unquote bigger titles, bishops, which is not officially even a part of the fivefold ministry. I just told you the fivefold ministry, as it says in the Bible. Now, is bishop mentioned in the Bible? It is. It adds about somebody who wants the office of a bishop and it talks about the office of a deacon. But in terms of fivefold ministry, Bishop is not one of those fivefold. And again, I say, I will name them teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, apostle. Those are the five. Bishop, even as it is defined uh, by, you know, people where there are bishops, there is a difference between a bishop and an apostle. And so in either case, the point is, when you look at today's, uh, today's roles that are considered the limelight roles, it would be the bishop the apostle, even in some cases, the evangelist. And the reason why I say it's limelight is because these are the roles where people are given microphones. So like, depending again on your denomination, you know, if you have an evangelist, these are the ones who are elected to run revivals and they're charged to help to preach the gospel, to win souls. And so again, there is nothing in that description that, that mandates that an evangelist be a man. It simply means that you have to have a certain discipline. You have to have an ability to do God's will according to the criteria of an evangelist, right? And so we have to understand that a lot of times what happened was the church took on the demeanor of the world, meaning that because in the world, men and, and the, you know, there was such a prevalence for men, there was such a prevalence for whatever like laborious type jobs, those were all given to men. Then the perception was that all women were supposed to do were to be home. Or if you were in the church, that then you were simply to be on the mother's board, right? So whatever the quote unquote um, nurturing 
titles or positions in the church were. So in the old church, you didn't really see women in the pulpit. You, I mean, like unless they were a nurse bringing a glass of water to one of the men folk, but you didn't really see women in the pulpit. In some of today's churches, you don't really see women in the pulpit. You were not seeing women being able to be licensed, right? To be licensed as, a, as an evangelist. Now, there may be some churches that would license women as missionaries because again, missionaries' jobs are to go and to take care of the physical need. So the mindset even alive today in, in this year and time, you still have people who feel that women can only be nurturers, that women can only, you know, so there's always this only stigma associated with women and their gifts within the church. And so when we talk about, um, so, so when we're talking about chauvinism and the church, is it still alive today? Absolutely. We're talking about in the church, chauvinism in the church, and how that looks as well as chauvinism out the church. And so again, when we're talking about chauvinism, we're talking about the excessive or biased support for one's own cause or group, in particular male prejudice against women. So a lot of times what will happen, so say as an example, when we're talking about in the church, there could be a certain position that's open. And so sometimes instead of going for who is the most qualified, we'll look for what man is available. Yeah, that's what I said. And that's what I meant. I, you know, I'm not going to take it back. We look for what man is available for the women who are actually there working, serving, supporting. Is that fair? Absolutely not. But again, that's why I read the term chauvinism so that you understand what that is. And so a lot of times with women, we have no choice but to sit back and accept it. Because again, if you are really trying to be a Christian, and when I use the term Christian, that is not pertaining to a particular denomination. I simply mean it, me, uh, meaning that you are a follower of Christ. So when you are one who are trying, who's trying to live your life according to the principles of God, you understand that God does everything decently and in order. You understand that God is not the author of confusion. And so what happens is when you're seeing blatant favoritism, prejudice, or bias, it could be, could and can be discouraging, right? But what you have to do, and many times as women, we do it in the church, in the home, out the church, the workplace, wherever, we have to constantly push ourselves to be the bigger person. We have to constantly remind ourselves that just because we are not being recognized by man does not mean that we're not worth recognition, right? And understand it in the most humblest form that we're not doing this for man's praise anyway. It says that whatever it is that you do, and this is in Colossians third chapter, whatever it is that you do, you're supposed to do it heartily as to the Lord. So I'm not doing it for you to like me. Like it'd be great if you, if you saw the fact that the same way that Joe is coming every other Sunday or once a month that I'm coming every Sunday, it would be great if you recognize that. But you know what? Even if you don't, 
I'm not coming so that you can recognize me. I'm not coming so that you give me a title because a lot of times that's a problem too. You have people who are looking for titles. They're looking for positions so that they could be in the limelight. And so that already lets you know that their hearts are not in the right place. And so all I can do is tell you if you attend a church and if you know that you are qualified for a position, right? So again, it has to work the same way. Not just because you look good, not just because you come to church, you know, uh, dressed to the nines. No, but do you actually have a passion and an ability are you capable of leading whatever the position whatever the department the auxiliary whatever that is are you actually capable of doing it if given the position are you actually passionate about doing it so that way it's not work because anything that you love to do when you do it it's not work so is this something that you will want to do all the time regardless of the title or not because if you're just barking because of the fact that, well, why'd they get it and I should have got it, what difference do it make if when you're giving it, you don't really want it, right? So to the women who may be in a church and maybe you've been overlooked, let me, let me first say to this, go and pray about it. And ask God to reveal if this is what you're supposed to be doing in your in the, in the season of your life where you are right now, right? That's number one. If you believe that God is saying that you are or you should be, you know, in this particular role, having this particular title, then what I would do is say, you know, however your church protocol is where you're able to talk to whoever is in charge. And some churches is going straight to the pastor. Some churches, there are organizational leaders. And so you have that conversation because the Bible also says in all that getting, get understanding. And so it's not to be, you know, you're not trying to challenge what has been said, but it's nothing wrong where, for you to be able to get an understanding as to how come you were not uh, chosen for a particular position. Now, honestly, this is not just protocol for the church. This is even in the world, in your workplace. Like if you feel that you are overlooked and you know Number one, you know that you're qualified. Number two, that this is your passion and you really would love to do it if given the opportunity. Then go and have that conversation as long as, again, as long as you are respectful. The Bible says that you have the, you have the right to get an understanding. And so if after you understand why you were not given the position, there are some times where, again, you just have to humble yourself because it's not your season. But the most important thing that I would say to you is if you find yourself not granted the ability to actually serve with the title in your church, if this is something that you love to do, your physical church is not the only place to do church work. And I think that so many people, they get that mistaken, right? They feel like, okay, well, if I can't be the president of this department, or if I can't be the head of that department, then I'm just not going to do it. But here's the thing. There can only be one leader, no matter what it is. Like you might have a pastor of the church and maybe you don't feel like the pastor is the most qualified. 
but that's who's the pastor. And so if that is your leader, your job is to then follow your leader, uphold your leader, pray for your leader. But if you feel like you have talents and gifts that's not being recognized, then you, again, pray about it. And maybe there'll be something in your community that you're able to do, right? This isn't going against or trying to be in direct opposition of your church ministry. You still operate in your church ministry. You still give 150% to that ministry. But that doesn't mean that your gift has to evaporate or has to disappear or has to go unused just because it's not being used in the capacity in your church home. So I hope that I'm making that make sense. But yes, to answer the question, there are so many times on, on so many different levels where men get a position simply because they're the man. They're a man. Not because they are, you know, the best for the job, but because they are a man. I've had that happen to me multiple times, <laughs> multiple times in my local church, in my district church, you know, in the state church on every level. I've had it happen to me. However, so so the reason why I'm saying it, no, I am not going into specific situations and examples, but I'm saying that to say that I'm not just I'm not just sharing this information and telling you about being a bigger person because it sounds good, it's politically correct to say. I'm telling you, like I know what it feels like when you know that you were more qualified than the person who actually got the position. When you know that the only reason why you didn't get selected was because of the fact that you were not a man, it, it stings a little bit. But again, at the end of the day, what you have to keep in mind is the fact that what it is that you are doing, you are doing this to God. And so, you know, if you're trying to take away your word, well, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to give that, you're not hurting your ministry. I mean, maybe they will be affected if you chose to leave or whatever. But when you don't use the gift that God gave you, then you're the one that's going to suffer in the long run. Remember, remember the parable of the talents, the one, two, and five, like the one who ran under and, and they buried the one talent. God was mad at them because he said, I gave you something to do and you should have been trying to use it. And so a lot of times we like to blame other people for our shortcomings or for our inability to do things, but that is not the right thing to do. Okay. And so also understand when we're talking about out of the church, there are a lot of times where, you know, where you'll have it. And so it's in church to out of the church, meaning this, There'll be times where you have things that happen, un unbecoming behaviors, let's put it like that, unbecoming behaviors that are known in the church and the way that those who are involved are treated, the, the level of punishment or discipline that's given is based upon their gender. I'll give you some examples. Let's say if you have a young woman who gets pregnant in the church. And again, maybe not today's church, but I'm telling you a yesteryear church situation. So a woman gets pregnant in the church, a woman will be made to sit down because it is not becoming for her to be up, whether it's saying, and again, this is if you are unmarried, this is for unmarried women. If you go out and you end up being pregnant in the church of yesteryear, you're going to be sat down. 
You can't sing in a choir. Most times they ain't even gonna let you on an usher board. Like they do not want you in front of people because you've gone out and you've sinned. Because if you're not married and you wound up pregnant, unless you marry number two, you did it wasn't immaculate conception. So you are out there fornicating, which basically is against it's a sin. It's a sin against God. And so women are typically sat down. Now, let's say, same church, the partner of said young woman, maybe that person is a musician, maybe that person is a deacon, maybe the man is even a, a minister, is never sat down, can still perform their duties. Now, is that fair? Does that seem right? Or do we got a little bit of a slant to it? Men can go out knowingly fornicating, having women pregnant everywhere, whether it's in the church or different churches. But the point is that it's known. It's known that they out, known that they players, known that they're doing all these sins against God, but they still are able to be a musician. They still able to be a deacon. They still able to come and preach a message to you. And I'm not saying that the woman shouldn't be sat down if that is the rules of your church but i am saying that if the woman should be sat down because she went and sinned against god the man should also be sat down it shouldn't be just because he doesn't have any telltale signs because he didn't get pregnant nobody can see his sin then it's okay but that's that's how it is all the time you have pastors that will know that husbands are cheating on their wives and they will, they will not try to like, maybe they'll talk to the husband. Maybe, maybe, but most of the time they're going to try to like cover it up, telling her if you got to get this thing over with or whatever the case may be. But that wife will never, will never know. You'll have pastors that will know that their members, male members are, you know, they have gambling problems or they have drug addictions. And rather than, you know, they're not going to be shamed. They're not going to be asked to lead the church. They're not even going to be asked to step down from their positions. They're going to be able to keep on doing what they're doing. And the thing is, well, we're going to just pray for you. But if it's a woman, then it's all of this talking to that happens and again am i saying that there's anything wrong with correction no why the bible says that god chastises those he loves but here's the thing god does not the bible says that god is no respecter of persons so if god is no respecter of persons shouldn't that also mean that we shouldn't be respecter of persons shouldn't that also mean that what's good for the goose is good for the gander and vice versa so in either case, guys, that's really the show for today. I just want to throw some things out there and just let you all know what, what's actually going on. And again, it may not happen in every denomination because I'm not a part of every denomination. All I can speak to are the denominations that I've been a part of or denominations that I know, you know, that I have friends that belong to them. So I know third hand experiences. Um, and so this is not to stir up any trouble. This is not to talk against the church because at the end of the day, I am still a faithful member at my church. 
Um, and so what you have to understand at the end of the day, the bottom line is that it's about having a personal relationship with God, regardless of whether or not you are wronged, because when you live a Christian life, you are going to be wronged. That's the truth. Like sometimes it's going to be by people you don't know, but many of the times it's going to be by people that you do know. And the fact of the matter is that Christ said in order to reign with him, we must suffer with him. And we never want to hear that part. We, we never want to hear about the having to go through, the having be, to be betrayed. Like if, if Christ was betrayed by someone he picked, what do you think is going to happen to you? Like all of the experience, if you call yourself a Christian, you're going to endure the same type of things that Christ endured, but you must be able to be the same type of triumphant that Christ was. And so I just encourage you to let, I want to do this show to let you know that number one, you're not by yourself. We do see it. And it's not just... It's not just women that see the chauvinistic behavior in today's church. There are men that see it as well and have compassion for what it is that they see. So it's not that every church is a bad church. You know, it's not that every man is a chauvinist. But it is to say that this behavior, chauvinistic behavior, is still alive and well. But what do you do with it? Are you going to crawl on the rock? Are you going to be mad? Are you going to cry because, you know, it's happening and maybe it's happening to you? Or are you going to find the mature way to handle it? Are you going to find and implement the Christ-like way to handle it? Because every situation that you're given, Christ gives us a way to escape it. And so anyway, guys, that is it. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And again, I encourage you, if you are not already connected with me on social media, whether you go to Wisdom, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Clubhouse, or YouTube, you can find and follow me at my name is Tennille. If you would like to work with me as your personal coach, whether it be a life coach or a lit coach, you can go to my website, which is my name is Tennille.com. And finally, if you're not already subscribed to me, to my content, you can subscribe either audibly or visually. If you would like to hear my podcast, then you can go to anchor.fm forward slash educated and empowered. And if you'd like to see my podcast, then you can go to educated and empowered dot VHX dot TV. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until next time, you guys stay inspired. Recording stopped.